When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. There's Alexander Arnold. Salah and it's broken for Shorter! And Liverpool are off and running. Salah! There it is. The obligatory opening day goal in a Premier League campaign for Mo Salah. What a superb start to the campaign. The Reds are off the mark. Mo's the man, a clean sheet with Virgil playing the full 90. Plus, off the pitch, Jordan Henderson's contract saga appears to be resolved or getting resolved. Fantastic. I'm Steve Hothersall and joining me on the Red Agenda, uh, James Pearson, fresh from Carrow Road. Uh, Kiva O'Neill, we'll hear about her trip a little bit later on. If you join up to The Athletic right now, you'll get 33% off the price of a full subscription and you can read some of the fantastic stuff that James, Kiva, Simon have been writing of late. Uh, let's start with the Athletic exclusive. David Ornstein wrote it on Jordan Henderson. Appears there's now an agreement in principle between player and the club over a new deal. And James, that will come as such a relief with the season just starting. Yeah, it's a, another massive lift, isn't it? I think there's been a number of them in recent weeks with key personnel committing their long-term futures to the club. Of course, we saw it with Trent Alexander-Arnold, with Fabinho, um, you know, with Alisson, um, and then, of, of course, with Virgil van Dijk just before the new season. And I think... Um, there definitely was a degree of concern over Henderson because um, you know there, there hadn't been any progress. Clearly, he wasn't happy with what was on the table, um, as we reported in the Athletic recently. But um, yeah, as David Ornstein has, has written today, there's been a breakthrough uh, since Jordan Henderson's come back for for preseason. Um, not signed, but as you said, Steve, an agreement in principle, uh, and it, you know, improved offer of three years with the option of a fourth. Um, which is which is linked to appearances and and as as David says you know Jurgen Klopp has played a big role in that um, you know he, he said last week at his press conference that you know he was pretty bullish in terms of you know we will resolve this and um, you know certainly behind the scenes he's played a, a a big part in 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 getting this breakthrough in in talks which looks like now you know it will ensure that Jordan Henderson stays at Liverpool to the age of certainly thirty four potentially even thirty five. You wonder what influence Jurgen Klopp has on these players. You, you know, we, we knew how much he admired Gene Wijnaldum. He obviously didn't stay at the football club. But when he made those comments about Jordan last week, I, I felt that maybe this was entirely different. Maybe he's learned from the Gini situation and he wasn't putting up for anything else other than Jordan Henderson staying at the football club. Yeah, 100%. I think there was. there's no doubt that he was determined to avoid a repeat of what happened with with Wijnaldum. We we know there is this kind of ongoing 
debate um, over, you know, do, do you want to have, you know, Liverpool are concerned at times that, you know, you can't have too many players growing too old together. Um, you know, that there is a reluctance to hand out long, lucrative contract extensions to players who have gone past the age of 30. But, you know, and I, and I think, you know, when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, we said, you know, surely some kind of compromise will be reached because um, Jordan Henderson is a special case, isn't he? You know, he's still an elite midfielder, um, but he's also, you know, an incredible leader and, and an absolute heart of the dressing room. And, and that spirit and camaraderie that and togetherness that Klopp holds so dear. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's just common sense has, has prevailed in terms of putting an in, improved offer on the table. And, um, yeah, certainly Klopp has, has had a big input in that. It's heart in the football club, isn't it? Just spell it out again. So this, this new deal, once it is sanctioned, signed off, will mean that he has... Three years, but there'll be an assessment of how much he's played. Will it as to whether there's a another year after that? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of co- a lot of contracts have like you know the the option of a of an of another year um, that that is usually linked to you know it can either be that the club have an option to trigger that extra year, um, or it's linked to to appearances in in the build up to to that extra fourth year. So um, so yeah, I think a few as as David wrote today, not. Not signed and sealed, but um, you know certainly uh, you know there's there's an agreement there in place that we expect to get done. Um, and interestingly, that you know both him and Thiago were amongst a, a team who played Aston Villa in a behind closed doors friendly on Sunday because um, you know clearly both of those players, you know having had a very short preseason, needed minutes to get them up to speed. And um, yeah, I think I think we'll see both of them back in contention for for Burnley next weekend. Absolutely fantastic. Um, Kiva is here, by the way. Welcome along, Kiva. Not just got back from, from Norwich. Fresher face. There, there she is. We'll talk a little bit about her trip later. You all right, Kiva? Fresh face. I don't know about that. I'm still uh, yeah, feeling the effects of a 20-hour day or something ridiculous. Yeah. How many hours on a bus? I think, a it was, coach? I think it was 17, pretty much, with a couple of stops. So maybe about 15 all in on the actual coach. And the day was like 20 hours, so... Yeah, I'm still um, still trying to sort of catch up on my sleep. You're, you're a young gun, you can handle it. Uh, just on the Henderson thing, before we go on to actually the opening day, it is great that we're not going to have this series of stories now with the season up and running revolving around Jordan Henderson and creating a, a talking point that doesn't need to be there. Yeah, I think so. I think that's the main thing for it because we were all sort of, then it did create debate and discussion, which is never a bad thing, but it just sort of going into the season, it's not what's needed, is it? I think, you know, after the win on Saturday, we're all kind of, you know, everyone had sort of predicted Liverpool aren't going to be challenging for the title. I think that performance said they absolutely are going to be. Um, you know, of course, we'll see how the season goes on. But I think tying down the captain after, obviously, the amazing news of Van Dijk extending his contract, I think, is is massive. It's just keeping those those key pieces at the club, isn't it? Um, you know, for the next few seasons, and fans then don't have to worry about those players leaving. Um, even though you do think it'll probably be the next few seasons, you know, a time of maybe upheaval at times with players, you know, coming and going. Right now, we're in a we're in a good place 
at the start of this season, you're feeling Henderson's contract pending will, you know, just add to that of obviously Trent, Fabinho, Allison. It's shoring things up and I think, you know, fans will be happy with that. Let's go to the opening day of the season. I wonder what makes a perfect opening day. Was this close to it, James? I don't know whether I got ahead of myself, but I, but I felt like it pretty much was in my heart. What did, what did you make of it? Yeah, yeah. I don't think you could have asked for any more, could you? I think, um, you know, the you know, just to see Mo Salah looking so incredibly sharp, you know, a big smile on his face, two assists and a, and a fantastic goal to round off his performance. You know, Van Dyke and Matip getting 90 minutes in the tank and coming through unscathed. You know, I thought a promising full Premier League debut for Costa Simicus. Um, great going forward, a few dodgy moments at times defensively, but I think, um, you know, you've got to cut him some slack considering, you know, he's been thrown in, obviously, um, in, in the absence of Andy Robertson. I think he's shown that he will prove this season to be a really able deputy in that department. Um, and then, you know, I thought even the way that Klopp managed it, I think, like most people, I was very surprised when I saw the selection of the midfield three. Um, I don't think many people had Milner, Cater and Oxley chamberlain down as, as, as their trio they were expecting to see start that game. Um, but, um, you know, as much as Liverpool, I think, missed Fabinho, um, you'd have to say that, you know, they were, they were still in control of the game. And then, you know, what a strong, what strong options to bring on for that final half hour. I mean, once, once Fabinho and Firmino stepped onto that field, they they went up a year and and just blew a, a tiring Norwich team away. So um, yeah, and when you add into the mix, you know, Harvey Elliott, you know, how comfortable and composed did he look when he came on? You know, a couple of big saves from Allison. I think every box was just about ticked. I think the caveat would have to be it was Norwich. You know, not it's you know, it's a team that were that were you know struggled badly uh, on their last um, visit to the Premier League and and haven't had a particularly great preseason. I think with the issues that they've had to contend with, but um, we saw at the weekend, you know, with with the wins that the other promoted teams have, that that when they when they come up, sometimes the start of the season can be a difficult time to to face them because you know there's there's that feel good factor. But um, yeah, I think it was pretty much everything that Jurgen Klopp could have wanted. To top it all, Kiva, the atmosphere looked immense. It was sort of bursting out of the TV. The Firmino song was going. We've conquered all of Europe. Nor- I mean, Car- Carrow Road, for those who haven't been there, can make an absolute din. How good was it? Yeah, it was really good. I think, um, you know, I haven't never been there before. I think experiencing it all for the first time. Bit of a rush, mind, because the coach only pulled up at five o'clock. at had to run to my seat. Um, but um, yeah, just amazing. And they had all, you know, yellow and green flags and it was just sort of an exciting atmosphere there because obviously they haven't been back. So they were creating their own and then Liverpool fans were almost feeding off that as well. Um, so yeah, it was it was amazing to see a, a Virgil van Dijk banner getting unfailed at the start. And, you know, they were actually singing Mohamed Salah's, Mohamed Salah's name when he scored, which was remarkable. Um, it was like they just they knew it was going to happen. Um, but yeah, just yeah, a great day. And obviously the press box there is facing them, isn't it, James? So it's just you get to watch Liverpool fans just enjoy themselves all day. So that was that was really enjoyable. Yeah. It, it's a season where the fans can have a big influence, isn't it? Because all of a sudden, so if you looked at what there was three away wins out of 10 Premier League games, you know home advantage. Obviously, this isn't relevant to Liverpool's game at the weekend, but you know home advantage now. 
is going to play a big part in this campaign, Kiva. Yeah, massive. I think we know from those friendlies at Anfield how they didn't feel like friendlies against Athletic Bilbao and Osasuna. They felt like Champions League semi-finals at times. It was crazy because fans just haven't been in the ground. So they, they're enjoying it, they're singing, you know, they want to support the team because they, that's just been taken away from them for such a long time. You know, 18 months is a long time, over 500 days for most people to see the team is just something that none of us would ever think we'd have to encounter as football supporters. Um, let alone Liverpool fans. So, yeah, I know obviously it's difficult for people around the world who can't get to the games, but even I think it has had an effect on them in a way as well because the games have become sort of training ground. Watching them on the telly just hasn't been the same. When the fans are there, I feel like you even, if you're watching it away from away from Anfield yourself or away from wherever, you feel something because you can see people feeling that and you feel it too. And without that, I just think, you know, it just, yeah, it wasn't good, but we're free from that now. You know, grounds are cauldrons again. I think we we saw that from Friday night at Brentford, which you know Liverpool will be travelling there soon, so that'll be that'll be fun. That's coming up in a in a few weeks, isn't it? So yeah, no, just amazing to have fans back and the difference it makes. And I think even just away supporters as well can have that difference, and um, you know, to a team. And I think you know we we just lack that so much, and just fingers crossed that we just never have to go through anything like that again. Right, let's go on to uh, the amazing Mo Salah. You mentioned him, James. Um, have you had your, your decryptor, your decoder out for uh, Remy Abbas's um, line? I hope they are watching, Remy tweeted, after that incredible performance. I, I presume that's a sly poke at the football club over contract talks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think it's fair to assume that was what he was, he was getting at in terms of... Um, Wanting to try and get the, the the best possible deal for for Mo Salah, so um, I don't think Liverpool will need too much encouragement. Um, certainly don't need don't need Rami Abbas to um, to, point, <laughs> to point out to them how important it is to keep Mo Salah for the long term. I think um, give him anything, James. I mean, goodness me, look at the look at the stats now and the yeah. you know opening day records. I know. It, I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? The, like. <laughs> I, I saw um I saw something that made me laugh on Saturday night that he's I think he's now a five season wonder, which um because obviously that was that was after that remarkable record breaking first year that was you know was always thrown at him wasn't it that you know you're not going to be able to do that again and his his consistency has been crazy and I just think sometimes there's such such an obsession in football for wanting something shiny and new and all the rest of it sometimes you cannot fully appreciate what you've got right under your nose. And you know, the reality is Liverpool would be crazy to want anyone else rather than Mo Salah to, to be the fulcrum of their attack because, you know, he, 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 the, the, the numbers are just absolutely crazy. When you, when you look at, you know, the records he's rewritten um, during his time at Liverpool and, and now to be the first player in Premier League history to score on the opening day, uh, no, five five successive seasons, and I think even right the way through preseason, you could see how much he benefited from having a proper break. Both him and Sadio Mane, I think they both had like five six weeks off, which you know is pretty unheard of when you think of um, you know just how jam packed the football calendar is. So you know, I, I think you know to then have that break and then come back and have a full preseason 
that spells really, really bad news for Premier League defenders this season. And um, yeah, and I expect him to just keep going from from strength to strength. And um, you know, we talked earlier on, didn't we, about you know players' ages and all the rest of it, and you know, you know, trying to judge when a player's peaked and all the rest of it. But you know, I I don't I don't see I don't see Salah slowing down anytime soon. When you look at him, you know, physically, you know, he's so ridiculously durable, doesn't he? Touch wood, you know, he's he's always fit, he always makes a contribution. You know, he was the only one of the front three whose whose output didn't really drop off at all last season. And um and the big thing for me as well on Saturday was just he looked like he was absolutely loving his work, didn't he? You know, a big smile on his face. Um you know, and, and incredibly unselfish, you know, the, the ball that he played across for Firmino's goal. You know, he probably should have had another couple of goals himself, but late on, he looked like he was more worried about trying to get Sadio Mane a goal than, than, than another yeah. one for himself. Yeah, that, that conversation's always existed that perhaps they, they don't quite get on away from the field or they're both selfish on it. Um, there was that moment, wasn't there, towards the end, but he, perhaps he should have shot and he, he looked to pass to Sadio. I, th- I thought it spoke volumes. Yeah, 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 I think it did. I think it was almost like, well, you know, how it, it probably in his head he was thinking, you know, how great would it be if if all the if all the front four with you, know, you include Jota in that mix were to get on the score sheet on the opening day, you know, the lift that would give everyone. And um, yeah, you know, I think you know, they, of course, there's been little moments of friction at times previously. We've seen it, you know, the, obviously the the incident at Burnley when when Sadio was less than impressed with him for not getting a pass gets talked about a lot. You know, we've seen it when, you know, Mo Salah's been substituted at times, you know, the um, not being able to hide his disdain for that. But I've never had a problem with any of that because they're winners, aren't they? They're just, you don't, you don't want a player who's, who's happy just, you know, settling for what they've got. You know, they, you, you want them to be driven and to always not only expecting the most from themselves, but expecting the most from everyone around them. And, um, you know, that's that's why when I wrote the the overview of the preseason piece last week, and spoke to various people for that, it was no surprise to get told that during that month away in Austria and France, you know, it, t- day after day, session after session, it was it was Salah and Mane who were it was setting the standards. Kiva, did he score that third goal up by the Liverpool fans? Was he celebrating with them? Yeah, well, they were literally just behind them, well, across yeah. from him, singing his name, and then they had to stop to celebrate, which is just like. A remarkable moment. But the thing I loved about that goal is like as soon as it sort of he was just there and the ball was bouncing out towards him, it was like he's gonna score here because that's how good he looked throughout the game. Um I've never maybe just because I'm not used to seeing him in the in the flesh anymore, but I was blown away by how quick, fast, strong, like he looks he looks the best he's ever looked, which scares me in a good way. Um he just looked like everything was going to come off for him. And we know those first seasons were very much like that. I mean, has he never really had a season where it hasn't been like that? Maybe last season at times he probably took a few too many touches, was overthinking it. But I think the whole team were pretty much overthinking for, for long spells, weren't they? Um, so, yeah, no, he, he looked ridiculous at times. And I think, like James said, I'd be I'd be uh, dreading to, to play against him if I was a opposition play because he looks ruthless and I think you know um, the pre-season's been massive for Liverpool they all look so fit um, energetic just different to what we've we've encountered last season when you know it, it was a bit leggy and lethargic looking um, everyone looked looked good 
on on Saturday looked fit and, and firing and ready for this season. And you do feel like maybe there's an edge of all those predictions going against them and everyone ruling them out and talking about Man City and Man United and um, Chelsea as well. I'm sure they would have seen um, United's 5-1 win over Leeds as well. Potentially that scoreline might have um, spared them on to put on their own display. And he did that. It was tremendous. You know, he, everyone was out the ground. I was back on the coach. Everyone was made up buzzing with you know, a, a phenomenal Liverpool performance. And I'm sure we'll see many more of those, we hope, this season. Sean Dyche was watching with hunched shoulders thinking, oh, no. It's a, I mean, it's a good first couple of games for Liverpool, this, isn't it? Norwich away, Burnley at home. Gets you off the mark, James. I'm not taking it for granted, but you would imagine Liverpool will have the same fire in their belly this weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it is a relatively kind start. And I think, I think that probably also played a, probably a part in Klopp's decision-making to decide to throw Van Dijk straight in from the opening day. Because I think um, when you look at the opening run of fixtures, you kind of think, well, the one you really, really want Van Dijk, you know, hopefully nearly up to speed by is, is Chelsea um, at home the week, the week after next. And it's like, well, you know, without being too disrespectful to Norwich and Burnley, you kind of see it as a gradual the difficulty level being slowly cranked up from Norwich away to, to Burnley at home, who will pose some different kind of questions for Liverpool to then that Chelsea game. So, um, yeah, looking really, really bright when you, when you think that was, you know, a routine emphatic victory in the end with, without, you know, a lot of key players as well. When you think that, you know, I don't think we'll see that midfield start together in the Premier League again this season. I'd be absolutely amazed when, you know, Fabino will now have another week, full week of training. You expect him to start. You know, interesting that Thiago and Henderson obviously got minutes in a behind closed doors friendly, so they'll be they'll be closer to being under consideration as well. So, um, yeah, it's it, it's it's a really solid start for Liverpool. Um, and yeah, the, I, th- I think you'd have to say that you know the fixtures have been you know relatively kind in terms of building up towards, you know, what is the first really big test against Chelsea the week after next? I, th- I think, obviously, we want them all to stay fit, but the reality of Liverpool possibly winning the Premier League, James, is that Virgil van Dijk and Mo Salah have to stay fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I think that's pretty much a given, isn't it? I think, um, you know, it's you know, that, that was why it was so special on Saturday seeing van Dijk out there, because, yeah, at times... You could see there was a degree of rust. I think there was a couple of times, especially first half, when when Puki got away from you know exploited some 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 gaps there. But um, you know that won't happen too often this season. And just you know how good was it just to watch Liverpool play and with Van Dijk pinging those diagonal passes that can turn defence into attack in you know in a split second and just him you know pointing and barking orders and organising players around him and winning all his aerial battles. And, um, you know, I think I think we said last week, didn't we? So, you know, when we were talking about whether he would start, it was almost, you know, probably Van Dijk at 70% is still head and the shoulders above pretty much every every other one of his peers in the Premier League anyway. And I think I think we saw that on the weekend. And, um, yeah, the spine of the team looks looks very, very strong, doesn't it? When, when you think with, you know, I think Fabinho just absolutely transformed Liverpool as well in that last half an hour. Um, you know, he, with him, in, you know, because you know he hasn't actually played that much football, has he? You know, really in front of Van Dijk, and then and then when you've got you know the firepower in front of those two, 
um, with Allison, you know, behind them, you know, that I don't think you could really ask for much more. Eva, you know, the physicality is something that Virgil's getting back. But one thing that would just be a consistent, and James mentioned it, is is his ability to direct the orders. It almost his noisiness on, on the pitch, really evident, I think. Yeah, honestly, I spent large parts of that game, particularly when Liverpool cruising, just watching Van Dyke. And honestly, it was just incredible to watch him. Just He's just always angry with everyone in a happy way. It's like he will, he'll, you know, raise people's games just by just looking at them in a certain way. He just looks at them like, what are you doing? He gives off that look, like, get, get in line here. We need to do this, do that. He doesn't really do a lot of moving at times. He does sort of just stand and point. And then we know, obviously, he's got that pace. And I think James hit it, the nail on the head in his piece on Van Dyke, just how, you know, you know, there aren't many players who play in the Premier League at centre-half past the age of 33, 34. But Van Dyke is just special. He's just a different calibre of player. A player we've probably, you know, we'll never see the like of again in, in some aspects and regards, I guess. Um, just phenomenal to see him out there. And, you know, Liverpool fans, that was the first chance I think he did in the away end. It was his name as soon as he came out, you know, um, because having him back just makes Liverpool title contenders. It does, um, you know, especially when given the front three. We haven't even really spoke about Jota or Mane looking really good as well. And then Joel Matter probably needs a shout out for yes. his performance, doesn't he? Who, you know, is probably a player who would be second choice, I think, if he could just stay fit. He would definitely be just, you know, next to Van Dyke all the time. But it's just that fitness issue with him, um, which is concerning. But obviously Liverpool now have, you know, that strength and depth there that he didn't have going into last season, which obviously cost them. Um, but yeah. But it, but it looks effortless when those two are playing together. Yeah, it definitely does. I think it's it's seamless. I think Van Dyke makes everyone look better. Um but with Matip, I do think, you know, he is actually a really good defender. And sometimes Van Dijk at times, probably in, in more recent seasons, when obviously Liverpool got to the European Cup final, that was, you know, the, the back pit, back two, wasn't it, for, for most of that to get there. Um, and, and Van Dijk definitely makes people look better, but we should not take that away from Joel Matip either because he, he was phenomenal. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of times when Matip has one man of the match awards ahead of Van Dijk. In the past, so he's you know he's definitely a brilliant defender to have around, and obviously now we've got Gomez and Canate there as well. So hopefully, no midfielders will ever play in Liverpool's backline again. Ever again. I wonder what the motivations are. I was watching Jamie Redknapp on Sky, James, and he he said that Van Dyke would have been looking at Ruben Diaz, who was making a statement for himself with Man City last year, and thinking, "No, I want I want to be known as the best defender in the Premier League again." Um, I'm not. I'm not sure that that would be his motivation. To be honest, I think it would be more. I, I think he just more wants to get back to to doing what he loves, which is being so incredibly influential yeah. at Liverpool. And then if if those plaudits then then follow, then then that's kind of like a bonus. I think for Van Dyke. I think um, you know, it was it was interesting listening to him talk after the game on Saturday about you know the kind of like the mental torture that he'd been through really with you know when you're. You know, you go from being fit and healthy one day to not being able to walk and and being racked with pain the next. And he, he said, you know, it was, you know, it, there, there were some dark days for him there. And um, you know, I think, you know, that I think, you know, when when I did a piece today on Van Dyke, 
And I know Kiva helped with looking at some of the, the the data behind it in terms of you know it's a big show of face from Liverpool. To, you know, is it as as crucial and as influential as Van Dijk is now? You know, to give him a four year contract on you know on massive money um, that takes him up to the age of thirty four. You know, there aren't there aren't many elite centre backs who are still you know playing week in week out at that age. Um, but you know, I, th- I think Liverpool just see him as such a special case because he is just, you know, in a in a class of his own. And you know, I think it says a lot as well that Liverpool didn't didn't want to wait and see how he came back from this injury before giving him that contract. It was no, 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 no. We believe one hundred percent. You know, all the all the medical bulletins were that they had no concerns that there would be any lasting damage with with the way that ACLs are repaired these days. They they believed that he would be able to get back to the heights he was at before the injury. Um, and a massive commitment on Van Dijk's part as well, because um, you know, for all the noise this summer about you know the fact that there hasn't been more signings and all the rest of it, and looking at what Liverpool's rivals are doing in the market, the fact that the best centre-back in world football has gone, yes, I want to spend you know the rest of my career effectively at Liverpool, because you know he might have another couple of years beyond that contract, but probably not at the top level. Um, I think that says a lot about what Van Dijk thinks about the the direction the club is going in. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, I'm Mark Chapman. This is what we've got planned for you across the Athletic Podcast Network this season. The Ornstein and Chapman podcast has been rebranded as the Athletic Football Podcast. We'll release four episodes across the week as our journalists bring you the very best insight into the biggest stories in football and the business of sport. Michael Cox will continue to bring you the smartest analysis of all the big games in the Athletic Football Tactics podcast. Adam Hurry will now host two episodes of the Football Clichés podcast every single week with his usual take on the game. There's a brand new athletic FPL podcast with our fantasy football expert, the FPL General, giving you all the advice you need to stay ahead of your mates and top of the FPL rankings. And the Athletic Podcast Network is also home now to host of club-specific shows, some of which are going to be releasing multiple episodes every week. And we're now your destination, don't forget, for the Totally Football Show with James Richardson and the Totally Football League Show. And that is it. We can't fit any more in. All you've got to do is search for The Athletic in your podcast provider of choice or go to our podcast section 
on the Athletic app. Not surprisingly, with all of the stuff that I've just mentioned, the Athletic is now the world's biggest football podcast network. Don't forget, if you sign up to The Athletic right now, you get 33% off uh, the price of a regular subscription. You can read all the brilliant articles that these guys have been writing. Uh, James on Van Dyke and indeed Kiva's trip to Norwich with the Irregulars, which uh, it just makes you laugh when you read some of it, particularly at the start when she's referring to uh, Mr X. So th- th- this is like her secret contact who's arranged for her trip on the coach. Mr X is called that because he's, he's basically skiving off work, isn't he, to... To, to take the trip to Norwich. I'm not sure he would be the only one. I mean, on not only on that coach, but on coaches up and down the country. And uh, the first away day back, everyone wants to get on there, don't they? But yeah, just honestly, one of the best days out I've ever had. Um, just haven't been on an away day for such a long time anyway. And to, you know, sort of be sort of calling around, trying to get a last minute coach. And then this sort of popped up through help of uh, John Gibbons off the on-field rap, sorted me out there. And, yeah, just, yeah, put me in contact with someone, Mr X, and uh, there we go, off to Norwich on the longest trip ever. Like, is Norwich on the moon? Because it's so far away. Like, at one point when we were on the way back, I was like, surely we're, like, far now. We were, like, an hour from Norwich still, somehow. We were trapped. It just grabbed us back. Honestly, we I told you, it. you get to Cambridge and you think you're there and you're not. No, you're totally not. Like we'd left, we'd left Norwich for like 40 minutes and then somehow passed the stadium, Carrow Road again, and we were all just like, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> That's how Norwich is just like oh. a sand, I think. But yeah, just honestly, a really phenomenal, phenomenal day. I can't even speak. I'm still absolutely knackered catching up on sleep. I think I've had about uh, six hours sleep last night, three hours the night before. I'm just a... Uh, need to probably get a, a big sleep in to recover but honestly I just I think and I hope this comes across in the piece just how kind everyone was and how nice they were you know just that family of of people who've been traveling the game they've been you know they started out as the Liverpool away supporters club um unofficially and like 35 years ago and then they've you know kept that up ever since um they're now called the irregulars due to the the Liverpool bootle banner which got stolen I didn't put this in the story but um, it was Dortmund in the Champions League in 2001 and the banner got, got stolen. So basically they had to replace it. And in the match day programme of the next game, um, there was a picture of the banner and it said something underneath it like, you know, um, I don't know who it was, Sammy Hippie or something plays as the Liverpool, uh, the Bootle Irregulars look on. And they were all really offended by it. Like, what, they, what do they mean, Irregular? Like, that's not a compliment. You know, they were up in arms a bit. And then they would add a little think about it and thought, yeah, non-conformist, yeah, that's us. So from there, that's how they got the name, the Irregulars. Um, and yeah, they, they welcomed me with open arms and I can't wait to get back on the coach, to be honest. Uh, just to, yeah, Jackie and Karen, they they were like the, the mums of the coach and just took me took me on. They kept offering me bombs and drinks and all sorts. It was honestly oh. just, just a really nice, a nice day with all my new mates now. It's a cracking piece. And then you talk about Karen, who met her husband, Ray, on the coach in 1990. Uh, unbelievable. So check it out um, if you can. A couple more things to touch on on the red agenda before uh, we let the guys go. Um, James Ben Davis, first of all, uh, on the verge of that season-long low move to, to Sheffield United. His only appearance has been in pre-season friendlies. What's happened there? Uh, yeah, just I think he's been very unfortunate, hasn't he? Really, in terms of um, 
we, we knew that it was an emergency move from Liverpool because of the defensive crisis at the back end of January. Um, you know, and, and I think clearly once once he'd come in, Klopp didn't feel as if he was he, he was quite ready to to be th- thrown straight in, and of course decided to go with other options. Um, of course, Kabak came in around the same time, and and, and it was clear straight away that he was going to be the kind of more senior option to to Ben Davis in terms of team selection. And then, of course, you know, with Nat Phillips performing so well and Reese Williams, Davis never got a look in. He also had fitness issues. I think he had a calf problem that um, that meant that even, you know, at times when maybe he would have been under consideration, he he wasn't fit for selection. Um, so I think I think you probably thought then, didn't you, at the end of the season? Well, if he hasn't, you know, if he hasn't been able to get in at a time when Liverpool don't have any centre backs, you know, surely we're never going to see him play a competitive game for Liverpool and. I know he was told at the back end of last season over the summer, you know, no, we want to come back and do pre-season. You know, we're not looking to move you on. But I think I think a lot of that was to do with, well, let's wait and see what happens with Gomez, with Van Dijk, with Matip. You know, there was obviously a question mark over them coming back from long injuries and whether there would be any setbacks in their rehab. I think now the three of them have proved their fitness. Um, it, it just makes sense, doesn't it, to, to, to loan Ben Davis out and... Um, yeah, I mean, I think telling me that there's no no option to buy for Sheffield United, I think that wouldn't have made sense for Liverpool. I think they'll they'll think that you know if he goes and and plays week in week out and helps Sheffield United win promotion back to the Premier League, then you know his value will will increase significantly. Um, so uh, so yeah, it's I think it just makes sense, and and I don't I don't think it'll have any impact on whether Nat Phillips stays or goes. I think I, I was told that Liverpool are still open to offers for Nat Phillips. Um, you know, of course, with Canate, they've got, you know, four, you know, elite centre-backs there. They've also got Reese Williams um, as, as as a fifth option at the moment. So, um, so yeah, I would expect Davis to to complete that loan. And then, um, you know, there's been loads of interest in Nat Phillips, but no no suitable offers on the table as of yet. But I think, you know, I, I'd expect that to change the closer we get to the deadline. OK, and, and Kiva, you broke an exclusive on Leighton Clarkson. Yeah, so he's off to Blackburn Rovers, which is the team he grew up supporting. And um, we did mention that on our little uh, extra podcast, didn't we, Steve? Had a little chat about Leighton Clarkson. So yeah, um, set to be announced this afternoon officially, I think. Um, so yeah, he's a season-long loan. Sort of tra- Liverpool trying to repeat the the Harvey Elliott trick. I don't know they've got good relations with Tony Mowbray and all that he would park. Just a move which makes sense. Clarkson's nineteen. Um, you'd imagine he'd get plenty of game time in the championship, which will only help him as a player develop even further. Probably just, you know, the, the experiences physically, probably that the under-23s can't quite give him. And I know he was in and around the first team last season, but, you know, sitting on the bench is not going to help him as much as being out there. And, you know, Harvey Elliott played, I think, 41 games in the championship, didn't he? So if Clarkson can, you know, touch will go on and do that, It'll be be a massive season for him. Um, I think he's trained with Blackburn this morning potentially, and uh, yeah, all set to to be announced this afternoon. So a good move for a really exciting young player, one that you know Klopp has, has called one of the biggest talents of the club, and nicknamed Philip Larm. So you know, no pressure there. Definitely a talent, and under Tony Mowbray's wing, he'll do well. But there's just too much to talk about this week. I'm just going to finish on James written a great piece about. Um, what the team were doing pre-season. And there's various elements in this. There's brain training. But the bit that I loved was 
while they were in Evian, there was a visit from Ben Fogel, who's the TV presenter, author, and adventurer. And, and, and he spoke to them about things like climbing Everest and how he ran 160 miles through the Sahara Desert. I mean, you're not going to get a more motivated man, are you, James, <laughs> to tell you how to sprint through a season? No, uh, I think, it, you know, it's obviously feeds into Jurgen Klopp's kind of marginal gains approach. Um, it, it, you know, we've, we've seen him do it previously. I think you know, last year he couldn't do it because of COVID with the, you know, the restrictions at the time were so severe, but, um, you know, slightly different this time around. It did give him more flexibility. I think, what was it, two years ago, we saw, that, you know, the German surfer came into the preseason camp and talked to them about breathing exercises and had them all, you know, holding their breath for minutes on end under the water. Um, and then, yeah, similar similar theme, I guess, with Ben Fogel. I think told he spent a couple of days actually at the camp and, and um, you know, for Klopp, someone he views as a really inspirational guy with, and it, and it just feeds in, doesn't it, to, I think, the messages that Klopp gives the players quite regularly in terms of that barrier, the way where your head is, you know, your mind is probably telling you you can't do it. And in that ability to silence that voice in your head and convince yourself that you really can. And, um, you know, especially when you're embarking on a new season, I think that's absolutely crucial, isn't it? Being able to push yourself to the to the absolute limit. We know that's what Klopp demands from the players physically. So, um, so yeah, there was loads of elements to it. Obviously, Ben Fogel was part of that. I think I was, I was quite fascinated by the fact that they had neuroscientists from Germany in the camp in Austria as well in terms of... Um, you know, these, these guys work with golfers and, and basketball players as well in terms of training brains to be what they call in in flow, which is like a, a subconscious state of mind where you try and ensure that the focus is sharp and, and your actions feel automatic. Uh, and um, you know, that with a view, that was with a, with a view to improving Liverpool's output from dead ball delivery, you know, whether it's direct free kicks, indirect free kicks, corners, right down to, to penalties in terms of, um, ensuring that a player's mental state is at a point where they can train their brain to to be able to execute it to the best of their ability. So, um, you know, I think you know the, that will be something to keep an eye on as well in the coming weeks, whether whether Liverpool's threat from set pieces um, is enhanced. I think I think it will be more than anything as well by the the fact that Van Dijk and Joel Matip are back in the team because we know um, you know that is one of their great strengths. But um, but yeah, it was. A really promising preseason for Liverpool. You know, it was unique, wasn't it? Really, I think um, Klopp will never again get a preseason like that, where he's able to take them away for four weeks. Um, because I'm sure by next summer we'll be back in the realms of commercial tours and 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 sponsorship demands and all the rest of it that will probably take them to either the states or the Far East. But um, yeah, it was a good preseason. Lots of elements to it. And I think we saw the benefits of that at, at Carrow Road on, on Saturday evening. All feels great at the moment, doesn't it? As always, um, thanks to the guys. Thanks for your feedback after the first pod last week. We even had a United fan saying it was the best podcast uh, that, that's out there by The Athletic. Thank you to that United fan. Uh, James Kiever, top stuff as always. On uh, Later this week, I'll be talking with Simon Hughes on our Red Agenda Extra 
and we're going to talk in depth about his interview with Trent Alexander-Arnold. So that's perhaps why we've not mentioned Trent much on this one today. So Sai will give us the uh, the insight and the lowdown on that conversation he had. Don't forget, you get 33% off if you sign up uh, to The Athletic now. So well worth doing. Loads of great articles on there. And the Red Agenda will be back, of course, after the Burnley game, but an extra one later this week on Trent. We'll see you then.